Welcome to the bridge. We're so glad you're here. Won't you turn around and greet someone before you're seated and let them know that you're happy to see them here with us today. What a great looking crowd of people. Uh, I'm definitely glad that we chose to come back to the high school here to have our Easter service just uh, if for nothing else to have room because we definitely would not have fit this crowd in the church building out there uh, which is a good thing amen it's wonderful to see uh, so many friends and family and guests with us and uh, we're just thankful today for your attendance I'm kind of saddened that I was tricked on Easter to wear this shirt, but either way, uh, it's a nice shirt. I will say that. Earl, Earl's proud of his, so that'll be okay. Uh, when Chris Darling walked in with his, the first one that walked in early this morning, I was like, well, I don't know, and then looked up. And Dusty had one back here playing the drums. I was like, that's kind of a coincidence, and then Ryan walked in, and Earl walked in, and Howie walked in, and just everybody kept walking in. Chuck walked in. We just all ended up with a shirt. So if you wasn't in that crowd, um, you'll be in the Cool Kid Club later. Uh, <laughs> not really, because if it's Cool Kid Club, I wouldn't be in it. Um, happy Easter. How many feels like it's a happy Easter? Just glad you're here, amen, that we can come and worship together and experience Jesus and take pictures out front. The kids are going to get a, pick up a few eggs here after a while. How many did we end up with? Do you know exactly? The, there's about 3,000 here, so we've done 15,000 eggs total this year. We shipped out 12,000 of them to all the schools to make sure every kid in Lewis County got eggs that attended school. Uh, last week and just a it's a wonderful thing that we do every year at the bridge and uh, we used to have one big egg hunt that was a community egg hunt um, and other groups began to do egg hunts and we was like how can we get to every kid what better place than to send them to the school to do that so um, thank you to all the teachers and uh, those that helped um, do that at the school and we're just grateful to continue that um, year after year and to get that many eggs filled is a big job it takes a lot of people, and we had a lot of volunteers that came two or three different nights this year to get that done. 15,000 eggs is a lot to um, put together. I'm glad that they didn't pick the log and candy like they used to, that you had to shove and cram and then tape. All they did? Okay, so there's some, that makes it a little bit tougher, but the kids are worth it, I guess. <laughs> it was wonderful seeing all the little hoodlums run in this morning and get into class in there. And, uh, let's all pray for Ernie. He's in there teaching uh, the children's church this morning, Leslie's dad. So um, Ernie was in there, and he's having to uh, play a guessing game about how many kids would be in the room today. And I was hoping a lot. And I think we have succeeded to say there's a lot of kids in there. A lot in nursery, too. And uh, just uh, grateful to have an opportunity to serve your kids. I want to share a message today with us. And it's one of those verses that are, is very common and uh, one that you may have heard 
um, throughout your life at some point in time. A lot of times this uh, chapter of the Bible is read at funerals, but I picked one verse here that I want us to kindly dive into today and look at this uh, one quote of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples during his final few days on the planet Earth. It's John chapter 14 is the, the chapter. So if you have your Bibles, turn in John to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse 6 is the verse that we're looking at, John 14, 6. I think it's up on the screen here. If you don't have a Bible or don't have one on your phone, you can. It's pretty easy. It's just uh, six words here that we're going to look at. And there's a little bit more to the bottom part of the verse, and it's all true. But I want us to look at these three different things. And the verse says that Jesus answered them. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has got the answers. If you've got some problems, he's got some answers. Amen. And didn't you love it whenever you had a smart friend sit beside of you in school? You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones with high IQs and... Uh, doing a real good job at making straight A's and they sitting real close to you and they had the answers and you'd look over and gradually get a few answers right because of theirs but try not to get caught. Jesus has the answers and you're not cheating off of him when you ask him to help you out. In school if the teacher caught you and I'm sure there's some teachers in here today that probably is not encouraged by me saying those things but either way Jesus has the answers and Jesus answered them and he said I'm the way the truth and the life and that no man comes to the Father but by me Jesus came to set us straight in a lot of different ways. And whenever he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want us to look at those three different words as we dive into this today. And whenever he said, I am the way. And I begin to think about that and what way was he speaking to and what way was he pointing these disciples because we all need direction. Amen? Is anybody sitting beside of somebody that's not very good at directions? <laughs> I can tell you one in here that's not is my mother. She's not good at directions or knowing where she's at. And I can tell the story about her going Christmas shopping. She loves Christmas so much and she loves the Christmas season and buys way too many gifts for everybody and so if you don't get gifts just see mom she'll be sure and chime in to get you something but uh, she likes going to the malls during this time and, and I, if I go to the mall it's like for a 10 minute ordeal you know I want to get in there get what I'm at and back out mom will stay for hours and hours until the attendants of the store have to run her out so that they can close the doors for the night she's still in there and picks up the same thing seven times, wondering if she's going to get it or not, and go back to it and leave it and come back. And 
But one time she called dad and she told him, she's like, I'm lost. Has anybody ever been lost? I, I like getting lost on purpose sometimes. I just like going without any directions and just take off and make a bunch of turns. If you've never done that, you ought to do that. Just go make a bunch of left turns and just make a left turn until you can't take more left turns and see where you end up. It's kind of scary in a little bit of ways, but it's kind of fun, but just because you don't know exactly where you're at sometimes. But mom called and she had left Barbersville Mall and was looking for the Catlicksburg exit, which was about 20 miles away. And for some reason, she ended up in Moorhead <laughs> on 64. It's a pretty far piece from Catlicksburg <laughs> to Moorhead, I'm just saying. So if you don't know that you went the wrong way after miles and miles and miles, you probably didn't even know you was lost to begin with. <laughs> That's my mama. I love you, Mom. And you'd think whenever you cross, and at least she would know that Vanceburg is part of Lewis County, at least, you know. You'd think when you drive by that sign at Olive Hill and it says Vanceburg this way, <laughs> you'd think you would take that turn, but no. What do you do? You just keep on going. I'm looking for Catholicsburg. Don't worry about Vanceburg right now. I'm going I'm to go on. But anyway, she made it home. She's here this morning. And we all love her. Thank you, Joe Don, for loving on my mama. She's well loved by a lot of people here, especially for her pies. She loves making pies and treating others. And uh, there were some amens in the room on that. But Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I'm the way. And I began to think, you know, what's he saying in way? Could it mean more than just a direction? And I, I begin to think about the term the way. And sometimes we talk about the way we treat others. Right? Have you ever heard that? I don't like the way they treat others. And we judge others according to the way they treat others. And Jesus, I really think, came to his disciples and he showed them in his actions, in his words, in his deeds, the way to treat others. He's got the answers of how to treat others. And as I begin to think about that, the way to treat others, I wish I was better at that. Is there anybody in this room that falls short in sometimes the way you treat others? And most of the time, when we think of that and we think of how I've let others down and the way I treated them, it's those that are closest to us. Because that's who we can be the meanest to and think we can get by with it. Anybody believe this? When I was younger and I was praying for a wife, I, I remember praying a prayer and, and telling God, Give me a good one and I'll treat her like a queen. <laughs> but I grew up listening to, she'll be the queen of my double wide trailer. <laughs> so I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Polyester curtains and all that, you know. 
queen of my double wide trailer, and that's okay. But when we pray those kind of prayers, and I was really sincere that I would do my very best to treat my bride and my wife better than I treat others. And when I begin to ponder about this and think about this, I fall short sometimes in the way I treat my wife. Is there any men up in here? I just want you to look over at your wife, and this will be a good moment. If you've got your wife sitting there by you, just look over at your wife and say, I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I'm sorry that sometimes I mess up. And maybe it's not just your wife. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe they're close to you. And if your kid's sitting there by you, just look over at your kid and say, I'm sorry for the way I treat you from time to time. But it was important to Jesus the way he treated his disciples. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. You can read through the Gospels and see account after account of how that they would fall short and how that there was things that they did that would, should cause them to turn and walk away sorrowful and say, I can't measure up to this man's standard. He's trying to tell me the way to do things and I keep screwing it up. But Jesus was an encourager. And he was the one to lift others up when they were down. And these disciples, when they would fall short, he wouldn't look at them and speak harsh words. He would encourage them to keep on the way. The destination is the goal. And the destination for Jesus was to return to his Father who is in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus knew where he was going, and he knew the way to get there. And the way we treat others is important. Jesus showed them the way to build relationships and better friendships. And he showed them the way to do that through actions and deeds and words. And it's kind of crazy because the 12 disciples he chose, one of them was a tax collector, Matthew. And he was a tax collector. And um, the other ones was business owners. They, they owned uh, a fishing equipment and boats and, and things. And he chose them to be in his crew, the crew of 12. And he, he chose a tax collector to come along. He chose a zealot who was one that wanted to tear it all down and burn it all down. There was a very diverse group in his 12 disciples. And only Jesus can show a tax collector how to get along with a businessman. Any business owners in the room? It's important the way you treat the IRS. IRS agents, it's important the way you treat the business owner. So when Jesus spoke of often the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, he was pointing to a way and a direction and a place. And everybody's path is not the same. 
Everybody doesn't have the same background. Everybody doesn't have the same genealogy. We're not all cookie cutter in the Christian religion. He allows diversity. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us no matter what? So it would be like us all leaving today and nobody having any direction or any map quest, like the old days. You remember going on map quest and you know trying to print it off and make sure you got the signs right and all that. And even the little more seasoned folks probably remember Rand McNally. I still got a couple of them at home because I just refused to throw them away. An old Atlas. Kids these days. Punch in an address and it tells you speaks to you as you're going and when you go wrong it tells you turn around take the next exit but if we all headed for Florida today and every one of us had to leave out of here nobody in synchronicity of, of how to get there nobody's told you the direction to go other than to go to Florida I can guarantee you that some people in the room has been there enough probably head over through a certain way, and maybe they like going through Fleming County, hitting Route 11 and going out to Mount Sterling, hit 64, go over, hit 75, and head straight down. Some people's like, I'd rather go through West Virginia. Kind of like the mountains, I like wearing my brakes out. I love paying tolls. Does anybody ever try to avoid the tolls? You just, I, I don't want to pay those. I'm not doing that. I'm going the other way. And I'm sure that every direction would be taken that some people's like, well, I like the scenic view. I just want to go down 23. I've heard people telling stories of how that they would choose to come back from Florida and, and come home, and as they would begin their journey home, that they're like, well, I just want to go up this way. We're going to go up the East Coast, and we're going to go through there, and then they get up to a certain part, and it's like, I just want to take 23. I'm going to take 23 and go up through the mountains. See the beautiful view. The next thing you know, snowstorm hits. <laughs> You're sliding down the hill. Probably wasn't the correct way to go. And sometimes our choices, and we choose the way and the path that we're going, will get us into some predicaments. Has anybody ever been in one of those? Been in a place that you didn't intend to get there? So the way that you choose is important, but the exact path doesn't have to fit everybody else's forte. And Jesus gives you the liberty to go on life's journey. The way is where you're going. And he allows you your individualism to get there. And I'm grateful for that, Chuck, that there is a place that God tells us this is where you need to get to. And I'm thankful that he gives us the liberty to make a few bumps in the road and mistakes along the way, but we're still going to get there. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you get there. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Sometimes it, when I was thinking about the way, I, I don't like the way some people walk. 
have, have you ever been bugged by some, the way some people walk? It's like, man, what is wrong with you? You know what it is. It's a strut. You, you ever seen people like that? It's like, they just strut. It's like, you make me sick just watching you walk. I don't like the way you walk. There are some people, Leslie watches Friends all the time, the TV show, and I don't like the way she talks. Anybody know the show Friends? You ever watch the show Friends? You probably know who I'm talking about, don't you? What's her name? No. 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 Chandler Bing's girlfriend. <laughs> Told you she watches it. I don't like the way she laughs. And the way is, it can, it can be taken in a lot of different scenarios, right? We can talk about the way forever. And I, I feel just led to say this, and I wrote this down, and I, I just want to make sure to say this, that, you know, you'll be talking to some young people sometimes, and they're just all in love. And, you know, just tulips are falling from the sky, and it's just, oh, just like a breath of fresh air. You'll talk to some young girl, and she's, I just love the way he makes me feel. Don't take my, as a youth pastor, Dusty sitting over saying, that makes me want to throw up. The way he makes me feel. What are you talking about, the way he makes you feel? You better check yourself. That's what youth pastors sitting over there saying. You better check yourself, young lady. Because the way he makes you feel is probably not the way he's going to treat you when the tough times come. So be careful, young people. And don't determine things by the way you feel. Because the way will mess you up. The Bible says that the heart is more deceitful than all things. We are, deceit comes from within. This heart that's beating that makes us feel that, all oh, that way. It's deceitful. Is there any parents in the room needs to say amen right now that your kids are sitting here? Amen. Or Val's up here raising her hand. She's scared to say amen. She's sitting beside her. Mom, don't call me out like that. It's truthful. Young ladies, if you want to find the way that you need to be treated, find you a man that will treat you like Jesus does, that loves you unconditionally. Makeup, no makeup, good hair, bad hair. Bad day, good day. Loves you just the same. Young man, if you want to be a real man, grow up and be like Jesus. Amen? Young that Love that young lady the way that Jesus would. And the Bible says that he would give his life for his church, and he did. And that's what we're here celebrating here today, is Jesus gave his life for us, the church. And I love the way he makes me feel. Amen. Where we stand in a church and raise our hands and lift our voice and pray prayers and consents and know that he's here and near with us. I love that way. 
and the comfort and the peace and the security that I feel and how that he treats me as one of his children. But Jesus didn't just talk about the way. He talked about the truth. Some people say, well, the truth is subjective. I don't know. Jesus didn't say, I'm one version of the truth. He said, I am the truth. I'm the way and I'm the truth. And we think we're living in a time right now where the, the truth seems hard to find out. Amen? It's hard to know what is the truth because of imagery and because of some of the things that we're facing in our society. And, and the truth becomes subjective because we subject ourselves to that truth that we're trying to find the truth. But if you want to find the truth, where are you going to find it? No place other than God's Word. His Word is the truth. Jesus' way of doing things is the truth. So what did he teach his disciples about the truth? He taught them about religion. And a lot of things that he taught them was something that they didn't grow up in Judaism thinking about. He would point it in a whole other direction that they say, well, I didn't see that coming. Because they grew up with their own version of truth and what they wanted to be truth. But he come to set them free. And the Bible says to him that knows the truth, it, to him it is sin if he don't do it. So if we're convicted by Jesus to do things and look in his word and it tells us that something is sin, then that sin alone is enough to set us in the truth. And it will make us free when we believe in that and say, Jesus, I believe you over what this says. Religion will not get us to heaven. Like Leslie said, there's multiple religions out there. And I don't believe anybody has it all together. I don't think there's one church that has all the answers. I'm thankful this morning that there's churches all up and down Lewis County, all across Kentucky, all across the United States, and all across the world that people are sitting in pews and hearing about Jesus and listening to the truth that he rose from the dead, that he set us free from our sins, and that we're rejoicing in that truth. The bridge isn't the only church, and I'm glad. Amen? Because there are some people I'd rather sit somewhere else. Be careful, preacher. Don't say the truth. <laughs> There's some people you're sitting there thinking, I'm glad they ain't sitting by me either. That's the truth, right? But there's a church for everybody. And we do hope that you can learn truth by coming to the bridge. And I hope and pray over the messages that we speak that there is truth from Jesus that is spoken here. Our teenagers preach throughout the year. Our children's church do different things. The teenagers lead a couple of services a year. The teenager group last year done a whole sermon series on, on their own, and different teenagers stood up and speak, spoke, and they spoke truth. And Dustin Alby reviews with their sermons with them, and to give them freedom and liberty to speak truth to the body of Christ as a whole is an important thing, because there isn't one voice. It's all of us together collectively.
to read God's word and to know the truth. He told them a truth about who his heavenly father really was. And it wasn't a version that they had grabbed a hold of as Judaism that said that my way is the only way and my truth is the only truth because that's what Jews had done at that point in time. That they thought Israel was the only answer to God that hated everybody else and loved Israel. Does he love Israel? Yes, he does. Does he love everybody else? Yes, he does. And it dumbfounded one of the Jewish leaders that come to Jesus in the middle of the night once in John chapter 3 and said, how am I going to get there? You're talking about this way and where we need to go. How are we going to get there? He wanted the truth. And as he asked Jesus, what did Jesus say? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Everybody. And it dumbfounded the people of that day because they believed that he loved Israel and not the Samaritans. They believed that he loved the Jews and not the Romans. And any time we ever segregate ourselves and think that God only loves people just like me, we are badly mistaken and that's not the truth. Amen? It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter our genealogy. It doesn't matter what region we're from. What matters is do you know God and do you know the Heavenly Father because He loves everybody. And if the God we serve is a God that differentiates groups and sex and, and puts all these different people in different categories and He loves some and not the others, that's not the true one and living God. He went on and he said, what about, I know the way and I know the truth. But then he said, I am the life, the life. What is life? Scripture says that life is but a vapor, that it's here just for a little while. And when they're saying that, they're talking about this life that we're now living, that we're breathing air. And it's not just oxygen. It's a bunch of different types of air. It's probably around 20-some percent, 22, 3 percent oxygen. Our heart is beating. Our other organs are functioning, which makes us have life. But is that all there is to life? Is there life before birth? In Scripture, the prophet Jeremiah was told, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Before. Not just in the womb, but before. You can read in John chapter 1 that it says, you know, that Jesus was in the beginning. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. It was talking about Jesus. Jesus had always been. You have always been. If he knew you before you were in your mother's womb, then you have always been. So eternity this way, there has been life. The second you were born, you begin to exist on this planet. But you were prior to that. Life before birth. 
And there's life during life. Isn't isn't it wonderful? Isn't this life wonderful? Some of us make the most of life. Amen? Some of us don't make enough of it. But there's life during life, and life... according to scripture, is full of sorrow. How many has endured some pain in your life? That you've lost somebody you loved? That you'd do anything, anything, to have them for another day? Everybody in this room has lost someone that we love. In this life, as sorrow comes, and those days of hard times come, It's hard to get on with life whenever we've lost. And life is tough. And when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's a way of living. It's the truth in living. And this life that he's speaking of is the life that we exist here on this planet. And yes, he was here for 33 years or a little bit more. And yes, he made a lot of it. And he dumbfounded some of the smartest people on the planet when he was 12 years old. They were sitting around, where does this young man get this much wisdom? He's God in the flesh. He come from the one that knew it all. He was the one that created it all. He's got the answers to life. And they were dumbfounded by his answers and his wisdom. Because he knew more about life than they did even though they were living. And I can promise you this, he knows more about your life than you know about it. The Bible says he has the numbers of your head numbered, hairs of your head numbered. He knows you. It's your very secret, most, uh, the deepest places of your soul where that you hold back and don't tell everything to everybody. And the Bible tells us not to. Don't cast our pearl before the swine because they'll chomp it and they'll eat it and they'll spit it out. Amen. Don't tell everybody your business. They're up in it anyway, but you don't have to give them any fodder. Amen. Has anybody got somebody up in your business? Amen. People love to get up in your business. They want, they want, they're, they're so pitiful in their life, they want to mess yours up too. Amen. Jesus taught them how to live life. And it was a beautiful life that Jesus lived. And it was a sinless life. And it was a perfect life. But did he endure pain? He absolutely did. And he stood at that tomb of his best friend Lazarus. And he come four days late after the the funeral was already over and they would already put him in a grave. And Jesus said, come forth. And Lazarus come walking out of there. And they were dumbfounded that life could happen after death. Because guess what? Life is bigger than this. Amen? That there's more to life than just this. And if we base everything we're doing on this life and this life alone and all this stuff that we can gather and all these things we can do, then we're messing up because there's more to life than this. But during this life, make the most of it. Do the best you can. Don't just give up and say, I'm just going to leave all that for heaven. He wants you to live now. Jesus told his disciples, what the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to live this life in freedom 
and walking in a relationship with him and a life that just it, 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 it dumbfounds the enemy that, that, that you are able to walk in the freedom that Jesus gives you because life is important. And the afterlife, so there's life before life, there's life during life, and then there's the afterlife. And it's the most important of all. Because it's where we get to determine during this life where we're going to live after this life. It's the most important thing we have to decide on this side of the Jordan, as the old timers would say, is where we're going to decide to live that life, the afterlife. And when I think about the word life and just, man, there's all kinds of things and all kinds of areas you can take off into with that, but that's like one time that you wouldn't want to hear life would be as used in the courtroom. Amen? That's the one time you'd like, mm-mm, don't we say no life around here? Amen? Standing before a judge, declares you guilty, going to sentence you to something, that'd be one time I'd be like, nope, don't want no life now. Amen? Don't, don't, don't. You know, don't convict me for a life sentence. We'd be scared to death of the word life. Because it will be the freedom taken from us. And why are we so fearful of the life that they can take here? Where the most important question that we need to answer on this planet is what are we going to do with the life there, after? And someday we're going to answer, the Bible says, according to every idle word that we give in this life. Every deed. We're going to give an answer at a judgment seat of Christ on everything we say and do. And how many's messed up? Anybody ever messed up? Well, there's a couple honest people in the room, the rest of you. I don't know about, maybe you need the truth. The dose of that. The choice is simple. It's heaven and hell. And that may seem too simple, and you may say, well, that, it's just, it's got to be harder than that. I got to live a good life. I got to, I got to clean myself up. I got to get ready, and I got to do it all myself. But I promise you this I tried that path, and I'll give you my testimony. I messed up more than I fixed. Can anybody say amen? I messed up more than I fixed. I broke more. I tore up more. I left a wake of destruction in my path. It's kind of like a boat you see going down the river and those waves begin to go off of it. That's what my life looked like when I was traveling on my own journey. I was wrecking everything. But one day when I come to a conclusion that I am tired of breaking things, I'm tired of breaking people's heart. I'm tired of letting people down. I'm tired of messing it up. And I walked down to an altar of prayer and I gave my life to Jesus and I gave him every bit of me. Because me and my friends, when we drive around in cars when we were young, we'd say, I'm not going to be one of them churchy folks. But if I ever go, I'm going to do it the right way and I'm going to go all in because I'm going to give him all of it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be partial. And I'm not going to live one way out here and another way in here. I'm going to live that life when I join in. 
And I remember telling all my friends, I'm in. If you guys are, if you're, if you're hedging that bet, that's what I'm going to do too. And if I'm going to be a hellion, I'm going to be a good one. And I was. Amen. I was a good one. And I didn't make people around me very proud. I'm sure my family was ready to disown me. And I don't blame them if they would. But when I walked down to that altar of prayer, and I knelt down, and those teenagers come down and left, they put their arms around me and led me through the sinner's prayer. And I gave Jesus my life. I saw very quickly I had never known life. Because the Bible says it's when you're born again. And I'm telling you, if you've ever experienced that, that you've been born again, that Jesus has entered your heart and set you free from sin, not that you would never sin again, but that he's forgiven you for that sin. It's a beautiful thing. And if you've never known that, today is a good day to give him your life. If you're tired of messing up, if you're tired of hurting others, if you're tired of doing it your way, today would be a good day to give him your life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ. And that's Easter. Easter weekend's all about Good Friday. There was a crucifixion. They placed him on a cross. They nailed him to that cross. And he died a sinner's death, even though he had never sinned. And Paul the Apostle is telling the Galatian church, I have been crucified with Christ because my sin hung upon that cross. And it was put to death, my sin. And Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you don't know this life that I'm talking about, God desires you to give your junk to him, to give your pain to him, give your destruction to him. He's got the answers. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. God is desiring that you join him in eternity, in the afterlife. The Bible says, Peter said that it's not his will that any perish, but that all would come to him through repentance. And all you have to do is say, I'm sorry. If you've messed up, you know what it's like to tell somebody you're sorry and you've, you, you've messed them over and you walk up to them and you, in heartfelt you tell them, I'm sorry, and you mean it. And when they forgive you and say, it's all washed clean and let's go from this point forward, it's a beautiful feeling. God's grace goes farther than that ever will. He's wanting to fix and he's wanting to forgive He's wanting to call you to a new life in this place today. Give it to him while you can. Because after this life is over, we don't get to make that choice any longer. The freedom is only now while we're breathing this air. And he's desiring you make the right choice today. If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes.
nobody looking around don't worry about what others are doing Holy Spirit I ask that you come that you bring the way to people's heart that you bring the truth to people's heart and that you bring life today Jesus just as you said that you would stand at the door and knock that you would ask us to allow you to come in to the inside you promised that you would stand and knock I pray right now that you would knock on every heart's door in this place today for those that will watch later and Jesus as you're standing there knocking that they would know that as their heart is beating right now that they could feel and sense and know that your presence is there right there with them as they're sitting in this place today God, I pray that you would give them courage to lay down their junk, to lay down their faults, to lay down their failures, and to say, here I am. I give you my life. Give them the courage to make that decision today, that strength would rise up from the inside that they wouldn't put it off for another week because none of us has promised tomorrow. None of us has promised to make it past that parking lot. God, I pray today, give them courage to make the decision while you may be found. Nobody looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. Is there anybody here today that say, Pastor, I want to give him my life. I want this life that you're talking about. I want, I know the way, I know that truth. And today I want to give him my life. Today's the day that I'm going to accept him to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you've never known him before. But today's the day that you can sense that he's knocking on your door. And right now he's asking you. I just want to know by love lifting hand. If you just, if that's you right now in this place, just lift up your hand and say, that's me. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Today's your day. I want to give him my life. I'm tired of messing up. Anybody else? You're sitting here today. Today would be the best day ever on Easter. Today's the day I want to give him my life. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand and say, pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. We're not going to put a spectacle about you. This is between you and him. I just want to know to pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's going to be some happy family in here today. There's others. Just lift up your hand. Not Nothing hard. Just lift up your hand and say, it's me. I need it. Anybody else? here to pray this prayer with me everybody say heavenly father I come to you in Jesus name I'm asking you forgive me for my sins for my faults for my failures I want this new life of freedom that you promise make heaven my home 
according to the blood of the Lamb and the words of my testimony. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.